it's different now. The reason why it's different now is because I have that conscience contact with God on a daily basis. I have a sponsor that I'm working. I'm staying connected with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome to the Recovery Edge podcast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. Today, I have Cody B here with us and of course my co-host Kayla. Cody, I think I met you, I did, I met you at Primary Purpose in Johnstown. Correct. How much sober time did you have when we met? Uh, that would have been one month. One month. How long have you lived in Colorado? Since October, uh, yeah, September, yeah, at the end of September, October-ish of last year. What's your sober date? August 22nd, 2022. And do you have a home group? I do. It's Johnstown Primary Purpose Group. Yeah? Why is that your home group? Because I live right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good group. And you do a lot of work there. Yeah. Like you I like chair. to do service there. Yeah, you chair meetings? Yep. You made the famous bookshelf? I did bookshelf of the grapevine. And oh, I run the grapevine representative there and the bookshelf. It's the library. It's uh, <coughs> it's famous. Yep, now. it's a famous library. And it's on wheels now. And it's on wheels. Dang. That's good, man. You're staying busy there. That's good. Um, so why don't we go over, you know, your, your story, you know, the, you know, what it was like, what happened and what it's like today. And you can start wherever you want, you know, as early as you think you need to. You ready for that? I'm ready. All yours. All right. Um, let's see. I was born here in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, I was raised in Platteville, Gilcrest area. Um, um, my parents split up when I was three, three years old. Um, my my family kind of split up and stuff. They're editing this. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, they split up. My mom. <clears throat> was a alcoholic. My dad uh, drinks himself. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I had a rough childhood with my mom when I was a kid. Um, in and out of my life, throughout my life. So I really didn't have a mo mother figure when I was younger. Um, so I lived with my dad. We moved from the country out to the city, um, into Gilcrest. They call it the city. And, uh, <coughs> um, I guess my, my career of alcoholism and 
drugs started when I was 16. Sorry, it's hard to talk about, but uh, when I was 16 and I uh, I fell into drugs real bad. Uh, the alcohol, not so much, but drugs, yes. Um, I, w I watched my mom, you know, fight the battle of alcoholism, so I really didn't want to drink, you know, and I watched my dad drink, and I really didn't want to be be that kind of class of a person um, but you know over time my mom got into AA and started working the deal and I knew that maybe something can help me but I wasn't ready I was 16 years old I was free I was young I could just do what I wanted to do um, so I I didn't get into trouble with the law when I was younger um, so when I was 18 I got my own place and stuff and and that was when it started to uh, change for me uh, you know I, I had a higher power in my life but I wasn't really connected to him and when I was 18 uh, Drugs were really bad in my life, and alcohol was real bad in my life to a point I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop drinking, I couldn't stop using. And so that was my first suicide attempt was when I was 18 years old. I uh, swallowed a whole bottle of Tylenol PM. So that was the first time. Um, I was sent to a psych ward in Longmont at the Longmont Hospital. Um, I got out, was fine, I was doing great, I moved, I moved from Colorado to Arizona, but the drugs followed me, alcohol followed me, the people followed me, so I couldn't get away from it. When I, then I moved from Arizona to Casper, Wyoming. And that's what I call home. Um, it got really bad there. Um, so between 18 to 20, um, I couldn't stop drinking. It was every morning. I was up at 6 o'clock in the morning drinking. I was drunk before I went to work. Uh, I'd get drugs to come home just to be up the next day to go to work. And there's times I would not even go to work because uh, I was I was too out of it. Um, there was times that I had to have family support me because I couldn't support myself because I was spending all my money on drugs and alcohol. Um, I uh, let's see. I was uh, I I had to back it up a little bit. Um, I was 21, actually, I lived here, yeah, sorry, back that up a little bit, I was 21, and I, uh, I, re I, uh, I overdosed, I overdosed on heroin, and, um, I was pronounced dead in my grandma's house, and, and, uh, I really thought that was the very last time I was gonna do it, I swore up and down, I'd never do it again, never do it again, and, and, 
And honestly, I wasn't ready to quit using drugs. You know, I was, drugs or alcohol. Because that was my way of getting away from everything. And away from everybody. And just to be myself. That's how I felt. So then that's when I moved to Wyoming. I went to Wyoming and uh, I was doing really good there for a while. And then I just fell back into the same crowd. Same crowd of people. Same, you know, going to the bars, this, that. Well, uh, I met... I met my ex-wife at my best friend's house. Um, you know, we hit it off. We were drinking buddies. We we go to the bar and do this, that, whatever. You know, and then that only lasted four years because I was so selfish and self-centered that I chose to buy drugs and alcohol over paying my bills, like a house payment or taking my wife on a dinner or whatever and um, so our relationship faded real fast she was an alcoholic too so we weren't good for each other uh, after four years I got a divorce um, I was left the house uh, and you know that just it kind of devastated me and so I continued to drink and I continued to drug and uh, it was just a matter of time before it exploded and between eight between 16 years old to um, now right so I'm 33 years old it was 17 years of using and drinking I went through 13 treatment centers in that time, um, I was in four, f or not four different ones, but they're the same place. Four or five times, I was in a um, mental institute. Um, the last, uh, let's see, the last three years, because of the, it wasn't just because of it, but because of the divorce and and trying to get out the drugs and alcohol, I had uh, nine suicide attempts in three years. Um, the very last one was um, August 22nd, 2022. Um, I, I've been sober since. I, uh, attend, I attend meetings now. I have a sponsor. I have a higher power I reply. I rely on every day you know I get on my hands and knees in the morning and night and pray and you know I never done that before until I was totally desperate I got to the point where I was totally desperate and today I live with uh, uh, kidney failure so I'm at stage three kidney failure and uh, I live with that because of my suicide attempts um, I um, um, let's see, what else do you want me to talk about? Keep going. Why don't you tell me what, um, I mean, 822, your final suicide attempt, um, how did that one make this sobriety stick, this sobriety run? That one stuck 
because I know, okay, what's helped me stay sober today from that, that uh, suicide attempt is the point that I want to live, okay, I, for one, the day before the 22nd, I, I had seven months before, and what happened was I was not going to meetings, I didn't have a sponsor, and I didn't have a connection with my higher power. I was basically dry drunk. And <clears throat> so what happened was I went out and I relapsed. And when I relapsed, my, my go-to is I want to end my life. That's me because I can't handle bearing that pressure and coming out and telling anybody. But that's how I, how I came out. And so I relapsed on the 21st of August. And I tried killing myself the 22nd. And um, it it's different now. The reason why it's different now is because I have that conscience contact with God on a daily basis. I have a sponsor that I'm working. I'm staying connected with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I stay connected with other AA fellows you know and I as long as I stay connected and stay grounded in that situation or in that group then uh, I know that I'm not going to come off track um, what's different today is um, I I want to be alive I want I want to be alive more than anything because life is great when you're sober, you know, I mean, I've, I've never been sober. Well, I, I have dry, you know, and then I have had like, like a year or so sober before, but it wasn't actual silver. Like I was, I wasn't drinking, but I was still using, you know, so now I don't use any drugs. I don't drink, you know, and it's good. I feel better. I mean, I, I could get up and go to work. I could go buy a car. You know, so it's, uh, I feel, I feel that as long as I have those, those four, plus working with others, then I, I should be able to stay sober. Back when you, when your wife left you, you were in that house by yourself? Yeah. Do you remember how you felt living there alone? Within your addiction? Yeah. Can you tell us? It felt like... Uh, let's see. Felt like locking yourself in the closet and scraping the walls because you couldn't get out. Um, I, uh, I would screw... I was so... I was so screwed up that I would screw the front door shut. I would barricade myself inside because I scared people on the outside. Um, I would leave suicide notes on the glass, on the glass, so when the post office lady would come and 
deliver my mail, she would see the suicide note. And that was my way of communicating people, hey, you know, I'm I'm screwed up, I don't know what to do. Um, being locked inside of a house that that you sold everything, the only thing you had in there was a couch, you know, and your bed and and uh I would get so lonely at sometimes that I would get the Bible out and write verses on the wall verses that stood out to me in my bedroom I literally would write verses all over the wall in my bedroom just to keep me kind of what sane um but in reality I was not sane um I would uh I I remember not eating for 15 days or sleeping for 15 days I didn't go to work, nothing, I just stayed in that house. And that was, I mean, if I, ha I would have had a gun, I probably would have not be here today, you know. Um, I've had, uh, right when my wife left, I, I tried hanging myself in the garage and I had the rope tight. I went to jump off the, the toolbox and right when I jumped off the toolbox before the rope even got tighter it snapped the rope snapped and it kept happening that happened over and over three times I did it and I couldn't figure out what it was so but yeah it was miserable where did you get the Bible I've had the Bible in my room for my grandma did you go to church as a kid I I went to like Sunday school a couple times uh, with uh, my babysitter, but other than that, we really didn't go to church when I was a kid. How did you know where to find these verses that you wrote down? Uh, I've read the Bible a couple times, over and over. But like, I really like um, James because James, the AA book is most of it comes out of James, and. Uh, I like the James, Proverbs, Corinthians, you know, so just Luke, John. Cody, what is your uh, relationship with your higher power look like these days? I mean, we just talked about yeah. what it looked like when you were younger, but what does it look like now this go around for sobriety? So these days, my higher power um, is my best friend. Um, he... I tell him everything because he knows everything, you know. Um, you know, I I could count on him, you know. Before, I thought I could count on him. Count, I, I didn't know if I could count on him all the time, you know. And so now, with any situation in my life, I give it over to God. Like, before I walked into your guys, walked in, you know, I prayed before I walked in, you know, having God guide me in the direction he wants me to follow so um i have to do that now and the what my what my god looks like today is this big big boy you know <laughs> that stands up and says i'm here for you whenever you need so how did you get introduced to heroin heroin so when i went to the raleigh house in denver 
I went for a, I believe I was there six months or something. I can't remember how long. Uh, it was a treatment facility place. Uh, and so I met this guy there. And that's what his drug of choice was, is heroin. And I've always wanted to try heroin when I was in drug for some reason. You know, I was, I did cocaine and meth. That's all, you know. And um, so I got out of treatment and uh, met up with a guy and smoked a little heroin. And I wasn't feeling right and went home. And at the time I was living with my grandma and my mom drove me back to my grandma's and I said, have a good night. And, and uh, my grandma's going to wake me up to go to church the next morning. And six o'clock came around and I was pronounced dead in her house. So that's how I got introduced to heroin. I was 21 years old. 21 years old and pronounced dead at her house. Yep. Do you remember much? When you woke up, how did, was it the ambulance or were you? The only thing I remember vaguely is, um, there's two things, two, three things. One was, uh, I saw God, okay? Um, and it was probably the, I've seen it twice. So the, in August I seen it and I seen it. And when I overdosed on heroin, but it's the same image I've seen twice. And what it was, was it's a white tunnel. And it was the image of God walking down this tunnel and it came to me. Now, when I overdosed, I was strapped to this bed, to a gurney. And the only, only person I wanted in the room was my grandfather. I didn't say anything. I was out. Uh, but he knew... He, he knew through God, okay? Um, my grandfather was sitting over here on my right side, and he was holding my hand. And all I can remember is that shadow. So God was there, and the devil was there. And the devil was pulling me. Like, I was literally falling off the side of the bed, and, and my grandpa was pulling me back this way. And... So my grandpa's uh, not 84 or something like that. Has Alzheimer's, dementia, can't remember a thing. But you can go to him today and ask him the exact story and he'll tell you exactly what happened that day. That he was pulling me back to God, you know. And uh, so that's one. Um, two was getting a spinal tap uh, from the top of my neck down because um, they said not to move or what, whatever and you know but I can stay moved and then the third thing that I remember is I got a scar over here on my wrist where that's when I woke up I woke up to them drilling into my arm and pulling bone marrow out of my body out of my bone to see if I was going to be a vegetable or not so that's what I remember of that. Huh. What's what? your biggest joy in sobriety? Being funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're a funny guy. Yeah. You know, I you know do that, that this, pretty well. This story 
And everything that we've been talking about is pretty grim, you know. Yeah. It's almost like a like a ghost story, you know. It's well, a, I've, I've left out some things because I can't really talk about them. Well. But that's, that's for the right. fifth step, you know. Um, but you do make a lot of people laugh now in the rooms. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't think that you went through so much terrifying experiences. Well, you got to. You gotta have fun, right? We can't just sit there and mope and cry, you know. I'll tell you, tell you one thing. I went to a meeting in <coughs> Westminster, and there was a lady. She had 14 years of sobriety. She came from uh, Ireland, and she, I learned something from it. That it, it doesn't matter what you say. People don't care what you say. People don't care if uh, you're whining today. If you're going to be a whining, quit being a baby. Because this, it's AA. It's going to take work to get sober. Um, she said that uh, um, it took her a lot. You know, I heard her story. You know, it, it took her a lot to get where she is. I mean, I'm not going to say her name or anything, but she she lived at the York Street down in Denver, you know, rode a bicycle around town, did eight meetings a day, went around, did meetings, you know, she had to get a job because she lived at a uh, at the um, shelter, whatever, she had to get a job, never had a job in her life, didn't know how to doesn't know what a resume is, you know. She's 49 years old, didn't know what a resume was. But anyways, long story short, 14 years later, she is a uh, licensed, licensed therapist. She has a uh, her own office on the 14th story in Cherry Creek. She owns a house in Cherry Creek, you know, and she has all this stuff within 14 years. And, and the moral of what she said was, you got to quit being a pansy, you know, quit being a pansy, do the work and you'll get the results, you know. So that's what I, I get, I hear that a lot through AA. If you do the work, you're going to get the results. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen. So. You know, if you could give yourself a piece of advice from the piece of advice question at let's say 18 what would you tell 18 year old Cody ask for help mm -hmm. don't be scared to ask for help I don't know I took the really long road you know I didn't I didn't ask for help and I wasn't sure how to ask for help at that time right um, but if I could redo it over again, I would, I would ask for help, but it was kind of hard at that time to ask for help, um, you know, because, for instance, my dad, he, he still is an active drinker, right, um, and he doesn't understand this, is what it was hard, would, would have been hard, is he, he wouldn't know of understood where I'm coming from why I have an addiction to drugs or an addiction to alcohol or so he's not he doesn't understand that part 
Now, my mom, on the other hand, she was fighting that addiction herself. So, you know, it was kind of hard for me to, you know, ask for help or who to ask for help at that time, you know. So, if I was 18 and had to do it all over again, I honestly would ask, I don't know if I could ask for help or just continue to do what I did. I mean, that was that was the only way I I saw I could ask for help. Cause I mean, I got locked up when I was 18 in a facility, you know. So that was help right there. So I think that's my answer. I have something that I've been wanting to ask you about. And if it's too personal, you don't have to answer it, okay. and we can edit this part out. Um, but you are the only one that I've, I'm sure not the only one that's done it, but the only one that I've heard this story in the room so far. Um, but tell us what, you're the only one that I know that shot up alcohol. And I guess, yeah. like, I didn't even know that was an option. <coughs> not that I was looking for yeah. that option. But, um, you know, like, talk about that experience or the desperation right. that led to that. So that goes back to when I was locked in my house or barricading myself in my house. Um, uh, let's see. I, uh, so I ran out of methamphetamine uh, that night, whatever. And I was just too... Uh, too out of it to go get any more or whatever and I uh, I can't rem remember how long ago but um, so I'm laying there I mean this room is probably smaller than this room okay probably half the room and I have my TV in there and so I was like you know what screw it you know, I'm at the end of it. I mean, I was shooting it up in my veins. My arms hurt, you know, and uh, I was just tired of it. <coughs> so I researched. That was the, my problem is when I use or anything like that, anytime I use drugs, I want to kill myself. That's plain and simple. That's what my go-to is. So I used, I was screwed up. I what goes through my head is families don't want to talk. My family don't want to talk to me. Nobody wants to talk to me. I have a brother that lives out in Arkansas. Uh, he has two nieces. I can't even be around them because I was so out of it. Uh, so I don't have a relationship with my nieces. Now that I'm sober, uh, since I've been sober these seven months, I still haven't seen them because he doesn't trust me, which... I understand but anyways back to what you asked um, <coughs> so I remember laying there on the floor researched it and rubbing alcohol okay um, what it does is when so when you cut yourself for instance okay when you cut yourself and you pour rubbing alcohol on it what it does is it it um, it uh, curdles your blood on the inside of your skin, right? So it will it will kill you if it gets in your bloodstream. 
supposed to. Well, I took the whole bottle of of, of, uh, of uh, rubbing alcohol, and I got my syringe, and I was pulling syringe after syringe after syringe, and I was shooting it straight in the veins. And every time I shot it in the veins and I pulled it out, there was blood in the syringe, and you could see it just sit there curdling in there. And it was getting hard, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to work great. And nothing was happening, nothing was happening, and I I was getting pissed off. Sorry, I was getting pissed off, and um, so I went out in the garage, got bleach, and I got gasoline, and I did the same thing. And once I hit that shot of gasoline, that's when I laid down on the floor, and I was staring at the ceiling, I was staring at the ceiling, and uh, I had the syringe still in my arm, and, and I was laying there, and uh, all I can do is look up. I couldn't move. I was, like, paralyzed, and uh, I heard my dad breaking in my dog door in my house, and because I wasn't answering the phone or anything, they were worried about me. Broke it open, found me laying comes over, looks over top of me and found me laying there just eyes wide open, not talking, nothing. And uh so yeah, um that was that was that time. Um I mean shoot we'll get keep going on the suicide stuff as well. Um what? because it's a big story yeah. it's a big part, you know. Yeah. But you've had a lot of suicide attempts. Yeah. But what keeps you happy today Where, how, do you, happy. how do you stay in that serenity you know mode well what keeps me happy is knowing that my story can help others you know um, what keeps me happy is I could wake up every morning not be hungover not have to think about drugs I mean yeah, I got battle scars on my arms but uh, I'm actually I'm proud that I have those because if I didn't have those, then I couldn't be speaking about it or helping somebody else about it. Um, what keeps me happy today is uh, the connection I have with God, the connection I have with family that I'm rebuilding. Um, you know, we have to make an amends right through a process of AA. I've got to make amends with some people that I never thought I could, and I'm still friends with them people. Um, what keeps me happy today is, uh, I get another chance to wake up every day and, uh, you know, cause God, God can take tomorrow away any, anytime he wants. And, uh, I don't predict the future. So I live today as in today. So I live today as happy as I can today and do what I can, you know, in the moment. Um, what also keeps me happy is I go work with other people that are fighting the same battle that I'm fighting. Um, with other alcoholics, I get to go to meetings, I get to share my story, I get to hear what they got to hear. Um, I go to work, you know, now I go to work every day, you know. Um, I, I go to church, that, that helps me out a lot. Um, I have a family that lets me live in their house. They would not have trusted me to live in their house, you know, seven months ago. And, uh, 
that's a big step. I mean, my mom was, my mom and my stepdad were getting, didn't want nothing to do with me at that point. You know, they couldn't help me. Can't help anybody if they aren't willing to help themselves. And I wasn't willing to help myself at that time. And and now it's, you know, I, I got to think about my life from here on out. If I don't help myself, nobody's going to, you know. So, um, yeah, what makes me happy is being sober. Uh, if I'm not sober, I'm not going to be worth anything to anybody, myself, or even a job, or, or anything. I won't have anything. Um, I've lost everything more than once, and uh, I, I won't say lost. I gave everything away. I gave everything away um, willingly, you know. Um, but I don't know. God's given me the second chance to do it all over again. It's just I had to learn the hard way to do it, you know. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Ms. Kayla? <laughs> I just think you have such an incredible story and, you know, like, um, just the things you've gone through, you can hear the desperation in your voice when you're describing it and, um, how different it is for you today and how much you do love to make everybody, you know, laugh and help out with the li making the library and stuff. And so, um, I just think like it's really great of you to come and share your story and um yeah i think it's been a real pleasure i think it's a cut no just <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks cody yeah thank you that is a wrap i'd like to thank cody Cody B for sharing his uh, experience, strength, and hope on the Recovery Edge podcast. And my sidekick, Kayla. Thank you, listeners, for checking us out. You can find more of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to check out your podcasts. Share us with a friend and uh, contact us if you would like to share your story on the Recovery Edge podcast. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time.